Well, again, welcome one and all. We are uh, looking now at another familiar section in the Gospel of Luke, another part of that Christmas story. I addressed this more extensively last year, but I want to use it uh, as an opportunity for us to reflect even further about the ongoing Christmas message, that light that continues to shine. But it's hard to believe Christmas is behind us, right? <laughs> it's the 27th. Two days ago, we celebrated, had a wonderful Christmas Eve time together. But how was your Christmas? Uh, we are, and many of us are rightfully concerned and distracted by so many things this year, whether it's, whether it's the virus or, or politics or missing our family. It just hasn't been the same as it has in the past, has it? It's been a very different year. But though it's been a Christmas like no other, as I've reminded you again and again, the message and the invitation are the same. And I think one of the dangers, and I, I'm guilty of this as well, the danger of being too sentimental, meaning living too much in the past, is that we lose sight of what we still have, which in many ways is just as important as anything we have had in Christmas's past. I love to reminisce and I love to be sad about what I don't have, but let's not forget what we do have. And as Christians, we celebrate a birth that has daily implications and benefits for all who trust in this babe of Bethlehem. The Savior is a daily Savior who has brought a gift of light that has eternal promises and consequences. So let's catch a glimpse of that in our passage this morning. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. A familiar picture of what happened a few weeks after the birth in that temple. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem. To present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Christmas. The comfort of Christmas really should, if you understand it, it should compel us to look for him every day and not just remember his first coming. As we have seen in the birth of the story of Jesus, people are all affected, all kinds of people are affected by this 
person Jesus. And this really would be the pattern of Jesus, not just in his adult and public ministry, but even immediately upon his birth. Again, just think of all the Christmas hymns we've sung and what they describe in that first advent. Angels were profoundly affected and they burst into song. Shepherds were alarmed and then they were confirmed in what they saw in that manger. Mary and Joseph and later some magi were keenly aware of the uniqueness of this event. Something profound happened because of him. And he was still just an infant. A baby had a profound effect. So I want us to appreciate again and again the power and the effect of Jesus when he enters anything or anyone. Whether it's in a conversation or an event, we will see that he always has some kind of an impact, doesn't he? And I think the more we look at him and listen to him, I think the more we're going to be driven to anticipate him in our daily lives, looking for Jesus every day. Friends, Jesus didn't come to be remembered on occasion, but in every day of our lives. He's not the sweetest memory you could ever have. He's a living Savior that wants to be with you every day of your life. So this incident we see in Luke, it's literally, if you see it, it's just a few weeks after his birth. But his more public entry would have a significant impact already. This baby was now brought forward in public, was already having a major impact. So let's look at this, not just to appreciate what happened in the past at that manger, but to see the way we should be looking for him daily. Though Christmas 2020 is over, that light of Christmas is never something we move on from, is it? It's not like, hey, that was a nice Christmas holiday. Let's move on. That light is a self-illuminating and penetrating light that has come into the world. It's here now. When the light of God, which is Christ the Lord, came into the world, in many ways it was the beginning of the end. Wherever he went, wherever his name is declared, there will be a reaction and an effect, won't there? In this section in Luke's gospel, I think we see that his entry would have a personal and a prophetic impact on individuals and nations. I want to look at this description of, of Simeon and his reaction as an example. I want us to see it's an example of where to best find the light of the world and how to best see him. Where can I best find this light of the world? And how can I best see him? I would suggest to you right up front, the best place to find God is in his temple. It's in the temple of God. This gathering place of the things of God and the people of God it's the natural context to discover who God is and how he works. 
Do you see that reflected in the opening verse that we read? Look again at verse 22. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They brought him to the temple. Mary and Joseph, they were being obedient to the law of God and his word in bringing their firstborn son to the temple and to the people of God in the temple. As one commentator reminds us, you know, if you just see in this brief passage, there were three ceremonies taking place in a short time that are in the context of the history of God with his people. The first ceremony was circumcision. That was a symbolic cutting of the covenant of God. And it was the time where the child would officially have his name recorded and proclaimed. The second ceremony is the ceremony of redemption of the firstborn, which we find, as he quotes in Exodus 13, where Moses writes what God declares, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel. And the third and final ceremony is purification. After the birth of the child, there was a necessary time of purification and sacrifice. And the bar that was set for sacrifice was a lamb, a perfect lamb to be sacrificed. But if the family was too poor, and did you catch that? If they were too poor, they could offer turtle doves or pigeons. We see right up front that Mary and Joseph weren't well off. They could only offer turtle doves. The temple... The temple was the place where the rich history of God's love for his people was recorded and honored, where the Torah, the word of God, was held up high, and that's where God's people and his law was. And his law in that temple and his word was often memorized. It was the place where his people were instructed in that law. And it was the place where he was most honored and worshipped. Where do we find our God? We find him among his people in the temple with the word. That's where you find God. Current day theologians call this idea of, of finding God and ways to find him. They call it the means of grace. How do we grow? How do we find God? How do we grow in God? What are the means that he uses? And the idea behind this whole thing of means of grace is that with these means, the odds are better that you will meet and grow in the Lord if you are around the things of God and the people of God. And to neglect these means... That means you're going to have to lean on your own understanding and feelings, which often will lead you not to God, but astray. The things of God, the people of God. And that second aspect that we see in the example of Simeon is how he, how was he prepared to meet God and to see Jesus? Do you see this? 
like I've already mentioned, where did we find Simeon? We see that, look at verse 27. We see that he came in the spirit into the temple. Where was Simeon? (laughs) He was in the temple. He was around the things of God. The things of God and his people had become more and more precious to Simeon. And especially in those golden years in particular, he was well established in the things of God with the people of God as they worshiped God. But friends, don't gloss over how Luke describes Simeon's character. He he had what I call a holy restlessness, didn't he? There seemed to be a holy restlessness in his soul. He had this growing hunger to understand and even see the Savior which he was promised. Yet, he was waiting. But he was waiting with hope, wasn't he? Hope in what he had learned from God's word all of his life. He heard more and more. And the spirit of God, that holy, restless work, confirmed in Simeon's heart and life. You will see the Savior. You will see the Messiah. And see again that Luke describes Simeon as a devout man. He was devout because he himself was devoted to God. And he seemingly was never satisfied. I hope you can catch that. There was this this alive hunger in Simeon. He couldn't get enough of the things of God and the good news of God. And he wanted to know his Lord better. You know, as Christians, it's a good place to stop here and remind us. That's sort of like our own pilgrimage, isn't it? Which in one sense, we should never be satisfied, should we? We shouldn't say, okay, I... I got it, God. Now I'll just try to take a break. Thank you. I'm just going to coast now. Now, as Christians, you're never satisfied. And Paul himself picks up on that. In Philippians 3, towards the end of his own life, when he says this, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I haven't arrived. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But friends, look again. Look again what Simeon realized in verse 30. But for my eyes, my eyes have seen your salvation. I see the culminating work of God in this babe. In this baby presented in the temple, he saw the promise of God fulfilled. What better place What better opportunity than to be in the temple and see the salvation of God fully realized. Simeon would probably die before Jesus gave his life at Calvary. But Simeon saw at that moment in time, not a mere babe, he saw the promised King, Messiah, Savior of the world. He spent his whole life getting ready anticipating and what a culminating moment you know a major factor not only for Simeon but for all of us who claim Jesus as our savior hear me is found not in some characteristic or or personality trait in our lives 
Oh, I hope you see the common connection for the work of salvation is always, always the Spirit of God. Mary and Joseph and Simeon were devout and righteous not because of their obedience, but because of the mercy of God who touched their hearts and lives. Friends, go back sometime and reread this section and look more closely at how present and how necessary the work of the Spirit of God was and is for all who would come to know him. That's a foundational doctrine. That's a foundational belief that you and I must understand from the word of God. It is God's work. It is not you or me making God do something. It is God doing something and me responding to his spirit. And Paul again would remind us of this foundational truth in the beginning of Philippians chapter 1. He says this, here's what you must remember. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You can't recognize Jesus without the spirit of Jesus. You can't respond to the call of Christ without the spirit of Christ. It is that permeating and powerful and necessary. Simeon held that baby and interestingly would conclude his prayer. Did you see this? With some very profound observations. He says, this salvation that he has also seen is also one that is for those outside the temple. He actually says, did you see that at the end? Quote, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. What a profound thing to say in the temple of God where everything was centered around the only people of God, that Jewish nation. And this great father of the faith says, this light is now for the Gentiles unless you were a Jew and you could understand the culture at that time. That was a profound thing to say. This light was not limited to this temple and his people. How did Simeon know this? Because he spent his life around the things of God and the people of God. He had lived, he learned, he studied, He worshiped and based his life on God's promises that were now fulfilled in Christ in this child. And he was actually holding the Messiah. Oh, brothers and sisters, whether you are a new Christian, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or whether you find yourself searching for God, Oh, there is no better time and there is no better place to find him. Finding God is not limited to traditional events like Christmas and Easter. 
but he can be found anytime, anywhere, and in the church of Christ in particular. And it all begins with a holy restlessness in your soul. That light in your soul, it's not some ghost that sneaks up on you and scares you. It's, it's actually Emmanuel, the Spirit of God who is gently stirring your soul, and you know it. The King James Bible translates the term Spirit of God as what? The Holy Ghost. (laughs) The Holy Ghost. Yes, there are unholy and invisible spirits working in this world, but there is only one Holy Spirit, and he is the light that still shines. So again, as as we say goodbye to another Christmas and, and to 2020, friends, let's be sure to remember that God is always, always at work. Whether you see him or not, he is always at work. And one of the most significant ways he works and makes himself known is through the people of God which the the New Testament describes as the body of Christ. You and I are the new temple in a real sense. This is where Jesus lives. This is where the presence of God should be working in the body of Christ. The people of God, like Simeon, are ones who spend their lives believing, anticipating, seeking the Lord God Almighty. Oh, fellow followers of Jesus. Yes, let's move on from Christmas. But let's move on in the light of Christmas. And may that light shine in you and through you. And may Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful again that you have come and we spent so much time preparing for Christmas and celebrating it. Oh, but don't let it be over. Let us see, as Simeon saw, that light keeps shining, and that light is for all to see and to come and bow down. Oh, God, hear our prayer as we seek to know you and to honor you. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. (coughs)